Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at bkglueguysnetsdaily.com. Almighty baller, Brian the Nets are back. How are you? Well, good. We beat the Spurs, dog. Wasn't even a thing. Who cares? It, it's got. I mean, it, obviously not that. It's not that important of a win because the Spurs are one in seven on their famed rodeo trip. Um, yeah. But uh, and the Nets had just obviously made them that seven loss. But a satisfying win, a satisfying wire to wire lead for the Nets, and ends in just like a gorgeous, beautiful win. D'Angelo Russell, another dominant performance, another All Star level performance. Um, but number one, Bry, guess what we nice. didn't see on the court? Oh, yeah. Do we want to talk about that? Yeah, I guess we got to. It's sad. It's a sad state of affairs, but it's, you know, it's what's got to happen, unfortunately. All right, so last night in the game, so we're recording this on Tuesday, last night in the game, um, who we did not see on the floor was Rondé House Jefferson or Jared Dudley. Um, we did see Rodion's Karooks. He only got 10 minutes, but he was on the floor for 10 minutes. Um, Damari Carroll played a lot of power forward in this game and Travion Graham played again, still a power forward when he's only like, I don't know, six, five, however tall he is. Um, but those, but those thighs, that's what it's all about. You know, positions are all about your legs. That's what they say. Brian, are you sad? Are you sad about this? Yeah, it hurts. Um, but like, this is a long time coming. You know, he really, they gave him every little opportunity there ever was really truly but the thing with Rondé this season is that he regressed in the headspace department you know he was not making the right decisions you know every time he touched the ball it was it was a series of of bad decisions for the most part or a very almost seemingly lucky score like he he really he wasn't playmaking like he used to he wasn't going to his turnaround like he used to he was like um you know, it was just doing too much. It's like he he, want, he wanted to will it into existence, and it's and it's sabotaging his game long term. So he needs to do a whole bunch of looking in the mirror, deep thinking, reorganizing his thoughts, you know, and getting it back. Getting back to what was working. You know what's interesting is that, like, so heading into the trade deadline, the discussion were, was the, were the Nets going to make any moves at all? And they didn't. They didn't make any moves. They traded for Greg Monroe, who they promptly cut immediately. Um, but Atkinson has talked about the fact that like it's been really hard to figure out a rotation recently as guys come back from injuries because he only wants to play 10 guys a game, which is actually a pretty large number. Uh, but he ends up playing 12 or 13 because there's guys who probably deserve time. Those guys would end up in the power forward position, which is the weakest on the team. Like Rondé doesn't deserve to be DNP'd, but he was DNP'd. Jared Dudley probably does, but, you know... His his contributions to Nets Nation is Twitter, right? Like he's become problem is, Twitter in chief. Like what what we want for a low usage utility player is not what Rondé Hollis Jefferson wants to give you, you know. And it's and it's a sad truth that Trevion Graham understands that that role a whole lot better, and that's why you're seeing him eat Rondé's lunch right now, and deservedly so. Now the shots seeming to fall a little bit, he can hit kind of controlled runners and stuff. Like he's fits that sort of Damari Carroll model that they're looking for much better than what Rondé can do. So, like, I hate to say it, Rondé was never, you know, a, a Marks guy. You can hear the, the truck backing up now. Is that what you're looking at? <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just listening <laughs> to it. I love hearing it. I know. I get a stupid street. Um, but, uh, I don't know what I was saying, but, you know, it all makes sense because 
unfortunately, Ronde was never a Sean Marks guy. That's what I was saying. It was a Billy King guy. And for that reason, you know, the, the skill set was not tailored just so. And it was always going to be a hard situation. And I wonder if it's really going to continue. Like, I'm sure somebody will, you know, twist an ankle or whatever, and he'll get some minutes again down the stretch. Um, but I don't know. Do you want to talk about what it looks like for next season with Ronde? I mean, we, we can we can do that. I mean, basically, so we, we, he has a cap hold of I don't know how much money, but the Nets are going to renounce his rights, which don't really mean exactly anything. doesn't mean that they can't bring him back. It just means that they're not gonna. I think when you renounce rights, you can't bring them back when you're over the over the tax. So, like, if they did sign Kevin Durant and D'Angelo Russell then to a big contract, uh, Rondé would only come back for exceptions. Um, I don't know. I just don't think it's over. Like, I don't. We had we had only three weeks ago discussed the. We had a conversation about how Rodion Skarups was this like rising star, and then he gets DMP'd. And then he comes back and, you know, he plays, like, adequately well in this game against the Spurs. Um, Rondé got DNP'd in this game. I just think, like, ultimately, Atkinson has no clue who he wants to play at the four. And he said some quotes recently about how he was scared about their rebounding in terms of how bad it is. And Damari Carroll responded promptly to that. I think what he had, I don't know, 12, he had 12 rebounds in this game against the Spurs. Um, those are those are shots fired rebounds. Those were. Those are, well, I'm coming at you. Well, he, you know, he specifically. Damari said after the game, after the Spurs game, about like, you know, no one's going to bring me in to score 20 to 30 points a game. And coach said he wanted rebounds, so I went to go get rebounds. Now someone probably asked him, "Hey, Damari, you got 12 rebounds. Was that because of what Coach Atkinson said?" So it's like, did you see these LeBron comments recently? What he said after this game. Uh, when the so the Lakers lost to the Grizzlies last night, did you see what LeBron had said? Uh, I I did not, though I watched the end of that game. So LeBron basically said at the end of the game, and now this is like the pull quote that everyone's getting like super duper mad about, was that um, if you're if you're worried about pressure, you shouldn't be a Laker, okay? And he, he did talk about it kind of uh, you know more than just that line about how if you're here as a Laker and you're worried about the pressure that is being a Laker and being on this team, the, you know, the magnifying glass it is to be on the roster, you shouldn't, if you're worried about all that stuff, you probably shouldn't be here. Now, how most people are taking it as is that he's dissing the young guys, right? Because Magic Johnson had came out publicly and basically said, or he did say about the young guys, uh, they need to stop being so emotional about being in trade rumors. This is the NBA. You're professional. You're going to be in trade rumors. Don't be emotional about it. And now LeBron's saying, mm. basically, don't be emotional about being on a high-profile team. If you if you can't handle that pressure, then you should leave. Now, what I think, though, and I didn't look back at the tape because I don't care that much, Brian, but I'm pretty sure LeBron was asked specifically, do you think the players are dealing with more pressure by being – with with the magnifying glass that it is being a Laker. Um, and he responded to the question. So, like, often we get these quotes when guys respond to a question that it seems like they're just out of thin air dissing their teammates when they're asked specifically, you know, sort of why their teammates aren't playing well or something like that. So I, th- mm-hmm. so I, th- I think Damari was asked specifically about his rebounding, and he then, because at- Coach Atkinson had mentioned that before the game, and then Damari comes and answers the question, sort of folding in the question that he was asked. Um, 
But I know that, that, I mean, that's a long excuse for like why he got twelve rebounds. That was no, I don't, I don't mind necessarily that. Like, uh, like just to talk about that point, like it's so easy for people like Magic Johnson and LeBron James to be like, yeah, don't worry, because like you guys were never really in trade rumors. Like the two of you, they've never <laughs> had to endure whatever that was. And also, like Magic Johnson came from an era where people were playing on one team for like their entire careers. So um, this new phenomenon of of <clears throat> needing to constantly have like your your team in trade rumors which is something that obviously magic johnson isn't taking much care to prevent the the tendrils of those rumors from like seeping into into the locker room um yeah you're gonna get a bunch of players who are not emotionally invested in winning those games that much and i saw at the end of that memphis game like that was a crew that pretty much did everything they could not to win that game just is like fully checked out they're like lebron you just chuck just chuck away from the three-point line at the end of this game because like you know, it's it's your deal, like your whole thing. I, I don't want to be the person that's responsible for this going wrong or right. Like it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> so like you you just do it, and um, it's it's I, I understand entirely like uh, why that team's underperforming with that with that sort of understanding in mind that you know Magic Johnson is not taking any care into coordinating with anybody to to make sure that their emotional health is is okay and, and it shows. Do you think it's more interesting we'll get back to the Nets in a sec, but I have a question for you. Is it more interesting for the NBA overall if the Lakers and LeBron, this this arranged not even arranged marriage, it's just LeBron saying I'm moving to LA and you're gonna clear the space for me. If this ends up not turning out well, right? Like LeBron signed a four year contract. He went there without another star his belief was he was eventually going to get another star. Two scenarios could happen. He, they could end up getting Anthony Davis, and then I think if they get Anthony Davis, it pretty much doesn't really matter. They just have to add one more piece, and then they're going to be really good for the length of LeBron's contract. Is that more interesting for the NBA, to have Anthony Davis and LeBron together, or is it more interesting to actually have LeBron's final seasons in the NBA not turn out the way that no anyone expected? That actually... It kind of turns out to be like Willie Mays on the Mets or something, you know, like sort of a, a great player who's on a team that is just an awkward fit. Well, you know, he's obviously better than Michael mm. Jordan on the Wizards, but that sort of weird, like, this guy was so great, and then he changed his situation, and now the team around him isn't all that good, and he's not as relevant as he once was. What is more interesting for the NBA, for the Lakers to be good or bad? Um, I mean, interesting is a stat I can't really, I mean, it's good for me. I like, I, <laughs> I prefer it, <laughs> um, but I can't speak to the, the rest of the NBA fandom or, or the layman. I'm assuming that whenever the Lakers are good, like the ratings are better. So like, I, I bet the NBA is pretty, I mean, like not like invested in a conspiratorial way, but I'm sure they would prefer it if, if those were good years. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean. I kind of, I mean, this goes into stealing a point from somebody else that uh, the, the analogy was that um, having LeBron James on your team is like, you know, a, a like creeping vine, you know, like he, he sort of poisons the well for every team. Like in, unless they're good, unless they're in their championship uh, run years, like he is so connected to the GM, so connected to management, um, has so much leverage over them and like makes all these impulse purchases and moves and it's all very short-term thinking in order to benefit him and his, you know, immediate legacy or whatever. And the fallout from it, like the teams that are left with like the dread, like you see the Cavs now in a horrific situation and Miami also in a, not a great situation, although they kind of bounced back in a somewhat like mitigated for it a little bit. Um, 
But yeah, like, and also the pre the Cavs before that, it was also in a similar situation where they just like had the Mo Williams and Antoine Jamesons of the world that they had, um, you know, gotten through, through, uh, um, ill gotten gains. But, um, so like, it's funny to look at it in this position now where his, the toxicity is like in the forefront of it. Cause it's always, every time he's come to a new team, it's been like a little bit more laid up for him. Like all those situations were a little bit more matured and closer to being competitive. And it's almost like the toxicity is sort of like, it's, it's, you know, it's already injected and it's already like happening from before they even got like super competitive. And I wonder how they're going to be able to like turn it around after this. Like all these stories are going to add up. And I wonder how much the Anthony Davises of the world are going to look at that and be like, wow, this is actually kind of not a great situation. I mean, although, and then we talk about this with the Knicks stuff and Kevin Durant, like how much do the, do these guys actually care about that stuff? It's hard to say. It's really, I, I, I don't have a good handle on it. I don't think. Well, yeah, but I will say LeBron, um, when he went back to Cleveland, he had he did have toxicity up front with David Blatt, and then he he got him to be removed almost immediately. Right? I don't even well know toxicity in a managerial sense, but not in well yeah okay I guess I guess you're but they were still like pretty competitive like, right there wasn't yeah because they, yeah. they I mean now I can't it's ridiculous to remember but like they were really actually pretty good under David Blatt. He just hated David Blatt. Um, right. They went to the finals, I think, right under David Blatt. Yeah, they lost in the finals without. Um, where David Blatt over called a timeout and Tyron Lue pulled him back or whatever it was. But but throughout, like, and LeBron is essentially doing everything he can to, um, it feels like, distance himself from this. I mean, the the Lakers are bad. You know, we just, so we saw the Spurs, and it it was weird to watch this Nets-Spurs game and be like, wow, the Nets are just better than the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs are in a like a really bad stretch they're one in seven over the past eight games on this rodeo road trip where they're on on the road because there's the rodeo in town in san antonio and like this is the worst rodeo road trip they've ever had or something over the past the popovich era you know and they had lost to what did they lost the knicks before this and it was weird to watch a nets team just like thoroughly kind of put their foot down and say, we're going to win this. Like we're going to be in the lead the whole game and we're not going to acquiesce it at all. And we're just going to win. Um, it's delightful to see. It was interesting. I mean, uh, so I haven't like dug in too deep in the stats, but like just on, on the eye test and based on like what, what uh, the analysts were saying. Um, and also just like having read it earlier in the season. Uh, so like the San Antonio Spurs, I'm led to believe are shooting lots of mid range jumpers. That's their game. Now DeMar DeRozan and Rudy Gay are sort of leading the way as that, as that being their, like zigging when zagging identity in this new era of the three ball. And I think, I wonder how much Popovich is, is trying to prove a point with that or trying to like, what what is the motivation for doing it outside of this is your personnel. You have, you know, maybe your best player uh, or your best scorer is like kind of known for mid range or had been known for his mid range throughout his career. Um, this also kind of reminds me of a different point piggybacking off that where Richard Jefferson was like uh, talking about DeMar DeRozan's fit not being super perfect. It should be kind of perfect. DeMar DeRozan's not a long, uh, not a three-point shooter. This It's not a team that shoots a lot of three-pointers. Um, sure, the offense is like a little bit different, I'm, I'm sure, and it's less ISO heavy, and that maybe is difficult for him, but it, it should be a good fit on paper. Um, but I, I guess I'm just wondering like whether Popovich is like really trying to make a point or is he trying to move the needle back in a certain direction, and it's just kind of like everyone's sort of figured it out now. Like you just have to do a little bit of managing the, the paint area. You have to, you know, do a little bit of zone off uh, zone defense, 
and you can pretty much prevent a lot of those a lot of those plays from developing in the way that they want them to. Yeah, and but I do think it, it really does boil down to pers- personnel. Like they just have this weird team where their two best players are the most mid-range reliant in the NBA at this point. Um, and you know, if you can go back to the Kawhi Leonard trade, obviously you'd rather have Kawhi Leonard than Demar Derozan. But even if you didn't have Demar Derozan, you know, if you didn't have Popovich in his late stage of his career and you know, frankly, I completely understand why you preserve um, why you preserve the ammo to continue to compete at that point when you have Greg Popovich. You don't you don't do a, like a tear down rebuild when you have Greg Popovich. But um, probably the best trade for the Kawhi Leonard deal would have been. I mean, you don't want to trade him to the Lakers, but it would have been a Lakers package. It would have been a Lakers level package where you flip him to a team where you actually get. One really, really good young player, and then a couple of draft picks, or you get two pretty good young players, and then a draft pick, you know, something like that. But they had Greg Popovich, and they didn't want to do that, um, and they wanted to compete. Whatever. I mean, you know, they're still – technically, I think the record the record is basically just as good as the Nets. They're one game better than Nets, so it's, like, not a disaster. It just is – it's shocking to see a team that was so innovative offensively be, like, not interesting um, at all. And also, I was thinking about you remember like Lamarcus Aldridge was on the the Portland Trailblazers and wanted out of the Portland Trailblazers, but to me, like he should really just go back to Portland. He would be perfect on Portland now. Like if they could figure out a way to fit him into their salary cap, he would be like the perfect th- third piece, probably fourth piece because you know Yusuf Nurkic is so good. Uh, but let's. But before I don't want to Lamarcus Aldridge. Is, yeah, not to derail yeah. too much, but it's funny how little I want DeMar- DeMarcus Aldridge now. <laughs> like how how big of a deal that was when it happened, and how little. What are, what are you doing? That's making a crazy noise. I'm just moving. No, um, <laughs> and how little like I want him today by comparison. Yeah, and I, so I sort of wonder as we talk. So the next conversation I want to have right now is uh, the sort of D'Angelo Russell contract conversation because it's been bubbling up constantly on Twitter. How much the Nets should offer D'Angelo Russell? Should they just accept anything? Uh, but I do think we need to remember this Lamarcus Aldridge situation. In that, I think people kind of know that I, I'm anti Tobias Harris in terms of anti giving him the max. Everyone else wants him in the world. He's a nice guy. He plays the four. I, I get every argument in the world. I'm just like anti giving him everything in the world to get a guy who I ultimately don't think is like worth it. Um, I think there's going to be a couple of LaMarcus Aldridge moves. Chris Middleton, Tobias Harris, um, I can't think of anyone else, but there may be one other play out there who's going to get a whole lot of money, and we're going to make kind of a big deal about them changing teams or staying with whatever team they're with, when in the end it's going to feel like LaMarcus Aldridge. It's going to feel like he's pretty good. He's an all-star at times, um, like LaMarcus Aldridge was this year. But, like, if he's on your team, like, what what does that represent for the future of your team? Um, and I think, like, so spinning that forward, Brian, we have this big conversation mm-hmm. going on. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. Wow. All right, here's the big conversation right now. So we're, we're sitting here and we have seen this D'Angelo Russell trade develop into such a beautiful situation for the Nets. The Lakers that we had just discussed are – a debacle. What they're missing is leadership. And Magic Johnson traded D'Angelo Russell to the Nets and claimed that he needed a leader. 
and basically implying that D'Angelo Russell did not have leadership qualities, which maybe he didn't at that time. Likely he didn't. But now the Nets are, you know, loving the moment. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, like, he's a leader. Like, I don't, I know you could say some of the, his, like, um, jumping up and down when he's on the bench in terms of celebrating for his teammates could be viewed, as, I guess, as, like, a not original or not, you know, sort of fake. But I don't know. He seems like an authentic dude, Bri. Um, but was that was that your attempt to bring me back into the conversation? No, 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 that wasn't. I'm, I'm not going to let you talk for a bit. No, <laughs> it's okay. normal. Um, so here's what I want to do. Okay, I did a lot of research this morning as I was working at 3 a.m. in my regular job. I'm digging through. Shots fired at the regular job. Love the regular job. Thank you guys for paying everything. Uh, paying for this whole operation. The. The key thing you got to figure out in NBA contracts are comparables. You have to figure out who this player relates to in other free agents in the recent past, what contracts they got, so that that contract, because typically agents and general managers base the contract they're offering for a guy off of a previous contract. It happens more in baseball. It happens a lot in football. In basketball, there's only so many different types of contracts you can really give out. And especially when you get to the level that D'Lo's at, it's like, is he a max player or is he not a max player? There's two things to know about D'Angelo Russell. Is one, and everyone should know this, he's a restricted free agent. Okay, So even if he is maybe worth to be a max free agent, there has to be another team in the NBA who feels that he is worth all that money. And we'll talk about that later. The, the second thing to know about D'Angelo Russell is is really what you have to know about the Nets. It's like, how much do the Nets really desire him? And I think, Brian, we we believe the Nets love D'Angelo Russell at this point. Like, I don't think there's any, maybe there's there's no dissenting opinion on him within the Nets, would you say? If they don't, they really should. They, I mean, <laughs> they, it's, uh, dude, I was I had that vision last night when I was watching that, that Spurs game. Like, him hitting that three where Richard Jefferson beforehand just goes like, okay, and he hits it like that's that's the nuclear bomb offense of the future. That's the Warriors. You know, that's what I'm t- that's opening up the Pandora's box of, of an NBA offense if you can do that kind of thing. And and I like Anyways, and I, when he came over, um, it was just an assumption because I hadn't watched him play all that much basketball. I always assumed he was more of like a James Harden pre three, which was like driving to the hoop and getting fouled and using his length and sort of herky jerky style to get to the line. And that wasn't him at all. What he actually is. It's something that you've talked about is that he's a bomber. He's just like he does mid-range stuff. He does the kind of quirky little game too, but like he's a three-point shooter. He's like uh He's somewhere in between those two players. I mean, obviously like again, we're talking about um the like not on the curve or whatever, grading on the curve, but like the skill set is uh sort of Steph Curry's long range matched with uh, James Harden's like driving, but he doesn't finish. He never wants to finish. It's always going to end <laughs> in a pull and a teardrop or like a, a you know pocket pass. Never going to end in a finish. No fouls. Doesn't want to get fouled, which I like personally. I'm I'm about it. And it's more interesting basketball than James Harden. Which, by the way, he ended his thirty point streak <laughs> and all very sad. We're all very sad. We're mourning the loss right. of James Harden's thirty point a game streak. Oh. Um, I was on Facebook today and uh, this old. Um, uh, guy I know who's a who's a high school coach 
um, never coached me, but just a high school coach in general, um, what, what teeing off on how hard it is to teach kids the fundamentals of basketball in the James Harden era of basketball. Like everyone's, t- all these kids are terrible. They watch James Harden. It's making everyone awful at basketball. It's all James Harden <laughs> Sorry, and Steph Curry. Yeah. Like that is, yeah. because it's easy to, it's not easy to emulate, but it's, it's, uh, repeatable as opposed to like trying to be like LeBron, which is, um, not ho- yeah, unless if you want to repeat his social media habits, which you can do because he acts like a teenager on social oh, media. God. Brian nailed, burn. burn, body bags, get them. Okay, all right. Continue. So here are the quick facts. Okay, D'Angelo Russell has a cap hold of twenty one million dollars. Okay, so that's how much the the Nets, if they don't renounce his rights or whatever, that is how much he counts against the cap before they do anything with this contract, whether another team signs him or they re-sign him to a deal. You know that is what the Nets have on their books for him. So the Nets still have max salary cap space above that $21 million figure. That's important to know. The max for next year, if you gave D'Angelo Russell the full max, or if another team did, I think the years you could, any team could still offer him five years max, but the max itself should be five years, $158 million overall. Okay? It accounts for 25% of the cap. It escalates every year because the cap goes up every year. Okay, there's projections of how much it would be. It starts at $27.25 million a year. It goes up to 33.6 over that five-year span. There's goes up in increments, okay? It matches the cap rising. Okay, so if he's worth the max, possibly that is how much he's going to get. I don't think, and you'll see why, I don't think he's going to get the max, okay? Um, after previously stating he may, but I don't think he will. Here are the comparables, Brian, that I kind of pulled out from recent history that I thought made the most sense to what D'Lo may get, okay? Um, One name is Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo signed an extension, meaning he was still under contract and signed an extension, four-year, $84 million. He signed around the same age. Um, He makes $21 million a year, and his at that time, he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, 16 points, four rebounds, and four assists. D'Lo is way better than that at the moment, but Oladipo is also like a better defender. So like, if you just look at the surface stats, that is not an accurate case. But Victor Oladipo on the Thunder, four years, $84 million. I put Aaron Gordon on the list. Aaron Gordon got a four-year, $80 million to re-sign. It's, an, it's actually D, uh, the money declines throughout the contract. So it's $20 million a year average annual value, but it declines, blah, 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 blah. Aaron Gordon is not really comparable to D'Angelo Russell, but it's a it's a similar sort of player. High draft pick, productive. Um, the team that he is on wants to keep him, and that's the money that Aaron Gordon got from a team that wanted to keep him that probably had other guys, other teams around the league that wanted to get Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon stayed in Orlando for four years, $80 million. Really, there's only one other guy that really makes any kind of comparison to D'Lo in recent history, which is Zach Levine. Four years, $78 million. And what's key about that was that he was a restricted free agent and that the Kings tried to sign Zach Levine to that contract. They offered him four years, $78 million, which many people thought was way over the line, and the Bulls matched. Surprisingly, they matched. Um, Levine was not of as good of a player. I don't think he will ever be as good of a player as D'Angelo Russell is. and But he got 19.5 a year, okay? Similar kind of dude, you know, puts up points, does do some assists, consumes the ball a lot, blah, blah, blah. If you go through the rest of the league, there's just not that many other guys that are non-max players who are guards who are making 
big dollar figures. Okay, there's Jeff Teague who's making 19 a year, but he's older, and that was already a bad contract. Everyone knew that. Ken Bazemore, 17.5 a year, four-year deal, but he Ken Bazemore has never been as good as Angela Russell either, so I don't really think that's a big deal. Okay, do those comparisons make sense to you, Brian? Do you think – is D'Lo above or in the class of Victor Oladipo at that point? Is he above or in the class of Zach Levine, would you say? Uh, you know, it's hard. I think he's above both of those at this point. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oladipo, certainly. Levine had, I mean, the injury, obviously, um, and is a, kind of like an entirely different player. Um, so, but also just like statistically, like, you know, D'Angelo Russell, it's really, it's a really good time. A nice time for him to be uh, putting up the numbers that he's putting. It's, you know, because that's, once you're getting over that, I mean, these guys are at 17 and 16 points per game. Once you're getting over that 20 hump, it's a different ballpark, you know? Yeah, and and it's like, those guys weren't like true leaders of the team, not even just emotionally, but just like night in, night out. They're not leading the team, um, sort of driving the team in points and assists and all that stuff. They're, they're there is that difference in four points. Like you're like, there's just like a, mm-hmm. it's only four points, but like those four points, but plus a couple more assists, which Delos near what at least six assists a game. That translate into at least eight to ten more points a game that Delos contributing on the floor compared to those dudes, and those ten points mean, I mean that and that's the difference between an all star and not an all star. Um, yeah, but I still feel like D'Angelo Russell is below. The next tier above him would have been like Clay Thompson, Bradley Beal, um, you know, like the really sort of. Well, those are guys. So the only thing that's missing from D'Lo and like putting him into that echelon is consistency, evidence, like lo- longer term evidence of that kind of su- sustained effort. Um, I think everybody would bet, you know, I think there's like a 80 percent chance that that happens. But still, like there's a little bit more evidence to suggest at any point like, at those points, Bradley Beal and Clay Thompson would continue to do what they're doing. Right. Because I think they as they had the, at least two seasons of showing this is who I am. Where D'Angelo Russell still, obviously his first year in Brooklyn, he had the injury, and he wasn't this good. I mean, he was putting up good numbers, but he he's different now. Like, he's a better three-point shooter. He's much more, um, it's not confident, but much more sure of what well, he's doing on the floor. He's definitely more confident. He's super assertive, and he closes out games like a like a complete dude, you know? All right. He's good. All right, so one of the biggest things in the world to understand is what's the market? for a guy like D'Angelo Russell. You, so to understand the market, you have to understand who the players may be out there in terms of teams that actually want to sign a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Okay. So I went through the list of both Bobby Marks' projected salary cap for all the teams that are going to be out there. Plus, I also ch- went to Spotrack. Spotrack or Spotrack? I don't know. Um, to, to figure out what their evaluation is. Because there's Bobby Marks has different numbers than Spotrack. Um, but... Whatever they're they're close in most cases. Okay, so there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's basically ten teams that have somewhat of the ability to sign D'Angelo Russell to a an offer sheet, whether that be a max offer sheet or at least twenty million dollar a year contract type deal. Okay, I've classified them into categories. These are the probably nots, the teams that unlikely to to go down that way. There's four of them, okay? So we're already knocking four teams off the list of ten. The Hawks, unlikely that they'll want to do a max contract when it's pretty evident that they're trying to tank even though they're 
they're too good to tank already. Um, the Mavericks, because, I mean, they just got rid of Dennis Smith Jr. Do they really want to send, give a whole bunch of money to a ball-dominant guard who would then have to fit next to Doncic? That's kind of weird. I don't think the Mavericks are going to do it. The Lakers, I think they have bigger plans than D'Angelo Russell. Wouldn't that be pretty weird if they also D'Angelo Russell a bunch of money? And then the Pacers. The Pacers probably could dream up a scenario which they would they have $43 million in cap next year. They probably could dream up a scenario where they're like Oladipo and D'Lo could fit really well together. One guards the best other team's player and the other one, you know, consistently has the ball in his hands. You know, they each can play off each other, blah, 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 blah. D'Lo has to accept an offer to want to play for the Pacers. And the only reason I think he would do that, not knowing his love for Indianapolis and St. Elmo's restaurant, whatever that restaurant is where they have shrimp cocktail, <laughs> would have to be that D'Angelo is so thirsty for getting a max contract that he's willing to do the, to, to have the chance of leaving Brooklyn and spending five years of his life in Indiana. Very well could if they offer him a max contract. I just don't think we're going to get there. Okay, so I put them in the probably nots. Just huge prejudices and biases against Indiana. That's fine. Yes. That's fine. Flyover country. The only places that matter are the coasts. Thank you very much. Okay. Fair. Now, there's two others that really don't come into factor. One is very interesting. The other is not so interesting. The 76ers, they could have the space if they let Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris walk. They are unlikely to do so. They're unlikely to. They're, they are likely to sign at least one. So let's remove them. So now we're down to five teams, Brian. The Magic mm-hmm. could get to twenty-two million dollars uh, in cap space, which actually would be a representative contract of what D'Angelo Russell deserves. Like if they do, you know, four years, eighty-eight million or something like that. I think the Nets match at that point. But the, the Magic desperately need a point guard. If they put D'Angelo Russell on their team, that team becomes immediately very interesting. Um, Magic could trade Evan Fournier and get down to an even higher number, something like $38 million in cap space, um, which then they could offer D'Angelo Russell the max. But the Magic would have to do certain things to really be competitive for D'Angelo Russell. And I don't know if they're willing to do that. And also, in that scenario, they would have to get rid of Nikola Vucevic Who's been their best player this year? Maybe they're willing to do that. They probably are, but I'm putting them in the others. Okay, so we're now here on our final four teams, Brian. These are the likelies and the craziest. Okay, the likelies are the Kings. The Kings have somewhere between 33 to $37 million in space, even if Harrison Barnes opts in. They have potentially $62 million in space if Harrison Barnes, for some reason, opts out of his, whatever, $22 million contract. Unlikely to do so. But they have enough space to offer D'Angelo Russell the max. The Suns have $22 million if they renounce all their holds. Um, What's holding them back, Brian, is that they traded for Tyler Johnson, which is insane Mm. that they traded Mm -hmm. for Nets poison pill Tyler Johnson. Um, Double poison pill. It's going to prevent them from from getting – obviously the the intrigue with the Suns, right, is Devin Booker is on the Suns, and it's very public how close – Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell are together. That's just Mark's playing four-dimensional Mahjong right there, you know? You know what? what's also holding back the magic from getting D'Angelo Russell, potentially, if they had wanted him, is they have Timothy Mozgov on their books for next year, the contract that should have been on the Nets, but Mark's, again, jiu-jitsued his way out of the Mozgov contract to get Dwight Howard to then say Dwight Howard go away forever, and he did. And now the Nets are in the situation where they have all this cap space. Beautiful. It's just the tentacles of the Nets had previously 
always pointed back towards the nets and poisoned the nets. The jellyfish tentacles had always shocked the nets in the past. Now the tentacles are reaching out and shocking other teams. You know, mm. giving them that jellyfish burn that has to be uh, sterilized with yeah. urine. You know what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? That's a good analogy, right? We're going to pee on you. We're going to get the nets are peeing on you. Put out that sting. Actually, probably should. With a heady stream. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of heady streams, I set up our uh, Glue, BK Glue Guys Twitch account, by the way. Oh, I love it. We're going to do some fun stuff on there whenever we yeah. decide to do it. Yeah. I was looking at an apartment near you in Brookland. Um, get out of here. What are you talking about? You were looking at an apartment. Yeah, but Why don't you hit me up? What are you doing? You're the land of walk-ups. I can't do walk-ups, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been living this penthouse lifestyle uh, where I am in Chelsea, uh, even though I have a hole in my roof and water's get coming first in everywhere. Floor. Huh? My sister lives in. My sister's got a kid lives in a first floor and basement situation. Well, tell her to move out, then I'll move in. That's fine. All right. um, okay, the Suns. The Suns are the threat, right? The Suns are potentially the threat. They have twenty-two million dollars in space right now. If they renounce all their holds, they could get more space if they dump TJ Warren. Um, probably wouldn't be that hard, but he has a couple more years on his contract, so it'd have to be to a team pretty desperate to actually have TJ Warren on their their roster. Maybe that's the Hawks. I don't know. Could be. Whatever. So the Suns could only offer $22 million a year, the same sort of number that, who was it before, um, the Magic could offer. So that's the, the ceiling for those two teams. And then the craziest two teams that are left would are the Knicks and the Clippers. Um, the Clippers are thirsty. The Clippers believe that they're going to get either Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, if not both. Um not a really a perfect fit anyways. If, if they don't get any of those guys and then they want D'Angelo Russell as a, like a plan D, as I've classified D'Angelo Russell, plan D, it actually fits very well. Um, you know, does he fit with Shea Gilgis Alexander and their other young guard? Their other, they have like another Jerome Robinson on the team. Like, does he really make sense on that team? I don't really think so. Um, that would just be like super desperate move. Okay. And then the Knicks, you know, we had talked about, you know, the Nets – Earlier in the season, when the Nets were, there's rumors that the Nets were going to sign um, a wild sort of poison pill contract for Chris Epps Porzingis to get him away from the Knicks. Um, the Knicks, the Knicks could sort of do the same to the Nets if they somehow miss out on Kyrie and Kevin Durant and everyone that they want. The Knicks are going to be de- desperate. They're not going to just sit on this cap space. They don't get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. There's a chance that they could offer a max contract to Nets D'Angelo Russell. Okay. So you have all those teams. Long and short of it is, Brian, the market isn't that big for D'Angelo Russell in terms of what what the teams that may want him could offer him. The teams that are going to have the space to give D'Angelo Russell the contract that he's worth, there's just not that many teams. It's maybe the Suns, maybe the Magic. The Kings could offer him whatever they want, but like, is he a Phoenix De'Aaron Fox? I would say I would try it, but... They're probably more focused on getting guys that are like threes and fours as opposed to, I mean, they already have Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox, and Angel Russell would be a pretty short backcourt. Bogdan Bogdanovich is like a, probably, what, is he like their fourth best player? He wouldn't be able to play on the floor with those three. Okay. Let me ask you this. Why aren't the Suns better? Like, I, I look at, you know, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton's numbers. Like, they, sh- they should be, like, not so garbage. Yeah, so I don't know if you saw this, but. DeAndre Ayton recently came out and said, I'm going to take over the team. 
Um, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. He said, so I think this was Sunday or something. They had another devastating loss, and he was really upset with, like, he was he, – he didn't throw anyone under the bus, but he says, I'm going to take over this team. I can't take this anymore. Like, I'm going to step up and take this over. Um, which for some reason feels about as bad as you could feel when someone says that. Like, you should want your number one pick to be like, I'm taking this over. I'm going to be the leader on this team. But it felt more like, wow, this team is so bad that this this 19-year-old's like, even I have to, he's like, I have to be the adult here. It's like, it's, you know, the 15-year-old getting the job, you know, to give the family some money. He's like, I have to step up for all the older people in my house. <laughs> um, my... <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking over the dentist's office. I, the butcher. No, it's got to be a grocery store. What is by, it? By the way, 15-year-old dentist sounds like a great TV show. It's like <laughs> yeah. middle-aged Doogie, Doogie Howser. Doogie re- rebranding Doogie Howser. <laughs> um, but so the sun should be better. And actually, if they sign – so like in there is a world like if they sign D'Angelo Russell to a big contract and then they have D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton – and then they had they're going to have a top five pick most likely, whoever that guy is that goes along with, you know, Josh Jackson's not that good. Um, Mike, I think it's Michael Bridges or Mikhail Bridges, whatever. Um, then you have like then you have like a nice young core by making that big free agent move. That's why the Suns are such a threat beyond their Devin Booker status. Um, so here's the thing. The Suns can only offer $22 million a year as they stand right now, unless they dump T.J. Ward. The Magic can only offer $22 million a year unless if they dump Evan Fournier. And, again, that number is dependent on them not doing anything with Nikola Vucevic, letting him go. Uh, the Pacers could max out D'Lo, but D'Lo would have to accept to go there. And the Kings could offer the max, and they may. Um, but they're looking more for, like, I would, I, I would suspect them for Chris Middleton. Like, they're the type of team that will give Chris Middleton $30 million a year. Um, and just because he seems like he f- – because he fits more on what they sort of want to do. Okay. So, here's – that's – Big takeaways. That's the market, Bri. Um, basically, I'm sorry for making you listen to all this. Basically, I'm not saying it's – I've really enjoyed – I've learned a lot, Mike. Don't, don't say that. I'm not saying it's impossible that D- D'Angelo Russell is going to get the max – um, but if, if the Nets aren't just going to give him the max because then there's a possibility that, but like if the Nets are going to let D'Angelo Russell get a contract of some kind, there's only a handful of teams that can offer him the max. There's a really, and there's really only two teams, the Pacers and the Kings that would want a point guard and can offer the max. And I don't even again. I don't think the Kings do because they've Darren Fox. Like, what would you? Why would you be bringing in an All Star level point guard to join your rising star on your team, who is a point guard who can play off the ball, but is really he really should have the ball in his hands. Okay. All of that being said, here's my prediction before the <laughs> we even get to the postseason, before the season's even over, before we hear anything about contracts being offered to anyone else. I think the Nets. What could work out really well for the Nets and Daniel Russell is if he does not get the max, because I don't think many, te- I don't think, what I don't think anyone's going to offer it to him. That if the Nets work out a deal where it's a four-year contract that is flat, meaning that it isn't uh, a percentage of the cap, it is a flat 
90 to 100 million dollars overall. Four years, let's just even say four years, $100 million. It's $25 million a year. It's pretty darn close to the max, but it isn't the max. And the key about that is that the Nets would save $26 million over those four years. And by the end of that contract, $25 million a year within four years is going to look way better than when it starts. Um, I think that makes sense. 25 years a lot. It's a lot of money, Brian. That's a new. That's a hot take, um, <laughs> and it also happens. And it, but it, but it does save the Nets money in the end. You know, it like it represents that they like D'Angelo Russell a heck of a lot. But that in in the end, by not having to give him the max, they they save a lot of money that will will end up mattering as Karis LeVert then comes up for a contract extension and Jared Allen comes up for a contract extension. All those guys are going to be coming up at some point pretty soon. So the Nets are going to be – if they give D'Angelo Russell the max or if some team gives, them the, gives him the max and they have to match it, it's going to put them in a pretty tight situation into the future, especially if they sign, you know, not Kawhi Leonard this summer, but someone else pretty damn good. So there you go, Brian. So the deal is you want one of either Kawhi or Kevin Durant. I mean, I'm just throwing the, the listeners a bone here for having, you know, sat through all this. Don't, so where are you right now? I don't – I'm I'm kind of becoming – so I don't know what, what's happening with Kevin Durant. I'm kind of becoming team, team Kawhi suddenly and quietly over this year. Hard, hard not to want team – I mean, Kawhi is just keeping such a low profile, just not saying a word, just like, you know, going about his business, having a great season. Like, what's not to live there? For, for the guy who – I mean – Kawhi handled his awkwardness with his current team the worst out of all of these guys. Even worse than Anthony Davis. Kawhi had this injury that is was allegedly true, but like he just he just sat out and he wasn't there for games and he, he Tony Parker trashed him, Manu Ginobili kind of trashed him, <clears throat> and now he's in Toronto and as you're he's just like not doing anything dumb. He's playing basketball, playing at a really high level. And not saying dumb stuff, it washes away a lot of what happened last year. Which, again, when he was traded, no one knew. There was a lot of people who thought that, like, maybe Kawhi is just, like, never going to be good again. Because he was just injured. Like a phantom injury, it seemed. Even though it was maybe legitimate. I'm, I'm, obviously Kevin Durant's better than Kawhi Leonard, I guess. But I'm, like, Team Kawhi right now. I, I would like him inserted into the Nets lineup more than Kevin Durant at this point. Not saying that he's better. I'm just saying with what the Nets are trying to do, like the overall sort of vibe of the building. I want I want. Don't Kawhi you wish vibe. there was just like a super perfect, like prime of the career stretch for like a prime Dirk Nowitzki having, having a, a, a free agency summer. What? Like, there's, like, I don't even think like, like, you know, Kawhi and Durant optimally play the three kind of, you know, and, I don't know. I, I really just want the four. Where, where's the next big four coming out? Uh, Karanthi Towns, man. He's not going to be a free agent, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, he. we're going to see at some point over this calendar year that he, there's going to be stories about how Karanthi Towns wants out of Minnesota and all those teams that have all this cap space that don't that didn't get Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, they're going to be calling the, the Timberwolves, offering pretty decent packages for Carl Anthony Towns because he's on uh, a long-term contract. He's super young and super productive. Um, 
And golly, it's got a long contract here. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, get him on the Nets. Get him on the Nets. Ugh, you. Who are you gonna? I mean, I don't want to have to trade for him. That's how. That's how teams don't get super deeper good. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what the Nets trade package like because they would have to give up. I mean, may, that may be yeah. the package that we say goodbye to Jared Allen, right? Like that. Ugh. And I know that doesn't solve our four problem, but I don't want it. Then I don't want it. Put my foot down. Now we've, we're two games over five hundred, and I get to say no to all kinds of stuff. Um, let's look at the Nets schedule real quick. And so, again, thank you all for listening. I'm gonna put some notes in our like uh, Nets daily post, uh, just so you guys can see generally what I'm talking about because I know I just said a bunch of words. And that's not that interesting. Playing the Wiz tomorrow. Going to take a dump on them. Hornets on Friday. Another dump time. <laughs> Heat Saturday. <laughs> Making a three for Mavs. You know, that's probably a W. I mean, I don't know. I think we're rattling off a whole week of wins here, buddy. So this this chunk of six, seven games is pretty important because after that, the Nets are on the road for uh, five games. Um so the, this chunk of six games, I mean, the season's like pretty much coming to a close already. It's kind of crazy, but hopefully the next, it's Wizards, Hornets, Heat, Mavericks, Cavs, and Hawks and Pistons. Eastern mm-hmm. Conference delectable delights plus the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> um, a lo- a yeah. lot of home games it gets there. Ugly. Gets pretty ugly down the stretch here. Yikes! Yeah. So this stretch of seven games. I mean, honestly, you get a nice comfy, you know, let's get five and let's, you know, let's do a five and two or let's do maybe a six and one or uh, build up some wins there because then it gets, then it gets pretty bad. There's a lot of bucks. There's some Raptors, Pacers. Um, there's that West coast little stretch, even though it's against the so Lakers. The thing is, we just have not looked good against the bucks at any point. That's like, that's a team that we just don't yeah. match up well. against. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one in the NBA <laughs> matches up well against the bucks at this. I mean, they're just so devastating in the way they play and, um, and I th- there was there was never a, like a two minute stretch where I was like, yeah, we can beat the Bucks. Like no, <laughs> that that has yet no. to happen. Yeah. But like so we and we'll yeah. do this. I think maybe let's do this next pod or something. Let's we'll 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 look at the top of the Eastern Conference and rank the matchups that we most want, and we'll, we'll include the Pacers on there because the Pacers are still winning basketball games. I don't know if people know that, but there's not just games, but basketball games. Brian, they're still they're mm. still winning them. So we'll take a look at that. Um, because right. the season's almost over. It's happening. All right, get us out of here, Mike. Thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back in yours as soon as possible. Netsday.com, FPK Glizz on Twitter, Almighty Baller, iTunes, five stars. We need them. We want them. We have to have them. Brian, the Nets are back. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Woo! Yeah, boy.